The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now, it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Everybody it must be Saturday afternoon from two to three p.m. or it might be Wednesday night from nine to ten p.m. We're on twice a week to talk about your career, dissect the job market, the talent pools, look at the economy. Uh, we do just about everything we can here on Radio Jobline to keep the candle burning for those of us that are looking for a job or need more um, advice about how to find a job. Uh, we also talk to professionals, leaders. Um, we talk a lot about leadership, uh, and tonight we're going to be talking about a very mysterious expression called change management. Um, a lot of people have heard it. They don't always know what it is. We're going to find out tonight. We're going to do it. We're going to be prepared for change. By the end of the show, we have an expert with us. Robert Paulson is joining me. He is a, an international executive coach and entrepreneur, the president of Paulson Strategy Group, a boutique executive and leadership coaching company located in Riverhead, New York. Robert is a behavioral expert coaching senior leaders and high potentials how to perform and lead more effectively. His areas of expertise, leadership, behavior, and performance, Robert is the how in change. Some examples of what, my, uh, of what his clients work on, how to delegate and communicate more effectively, holding others more accountable, executive presence, and more. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to start out with the structure of change, but before we do that, Robert, tell me how you are, what you've been up to. Uh, first of all, it's good to be here, Scott. Good to see you. Um, as I said earlier, you don't age. You look wonderful. <laughs> I've been well. Um, I've been well. Busy uh, during times of change. Um, my business is very active. Mm -hmm. So um, my office is out east in Riverhead, but I do spend a lot of time on the road. I'm up in Boston, down in D.C., out in the Midwest. So my job offers me the opportunity to get around a bit. So do you do, you do just individual coaching or groups, webinars, uh, you know, seminars you know, for large groups? I, I'm just curious how it works. Most of the work that I do is one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. like this. Mm, okay. So I get to hang out with uh, successful people. Okay, and feel free to counsel me at all you all you want, Robert. Everybody else that comes on Radio Jobline does counsel me. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, when, when COVID was really bad and things were really bad uh, six months ago with the murders that were taking place of the young children and how awful that was, I was really emotionally impacted by that. that, that Ovaldi, I'm talking about. Yes, Ovaldi. that's right. Um, that one hit me really hard, and I had Aoife O'Donnell on the show, who is an expert from Long Island Employee Assistance Program. She's fabulous. She counseled me right on the air. I mean, I was really losing it. And, and she, she said, this is what you need to do. You need to stop watching the news. You know, and she went a lot further than that. But, yeah. but at the very least, I got to give up my news junkie thing because I'm watching too much news and I know everything about everything that's in the news and it's upsetting. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wish I didn't know, you know, so uh, I'm sure some of your executives are tortured by uh, by too much knowledge as well. So uh, I guess we'll talk about that. But here we're going to talk about change management. Now, lots of things have been changing. Right, right now, in fact, the economy is changing. We're going through a transition. Uh, a couple of people I've had on the program have called it a recession. A couple of people say we're on the precipice of a recession. But things are changing. 
You know, companies are cutting back on hiring. I haven't seen that much about firing, but I, I've seen less hiring going on. Um, I've, I've seen more less money being spent, you know, on IT, for example, on technology. Um, I, I, I do think there's change going on right now in the, in the economy and in the boardrooms, you know, of, of a lot of companies in this world. And then you have the changes that have been caused by COVID. Hmm. You know, the the, uh, the hybrid work environment, for example. You know, almost every placement I make in the staffing world is two days a week from home. You know, unless they're an engineer or, you know, somebody that just can't be, do it from home. You know, uh, like, like, a, like a, a person who's an EMT. You know, you're not gonna do that from home. So, right. uh, but, but in almost every other case where an office can hire somebody and give them time, they do split up the week and give them a little hybrid action. So that's a big change. And of course, the company has to adjust to that change. Right, and they have to have accountability and implement changes. The the workers have to have change. So there's a lot of change going on right now. the The political to, to, the landscape is changing, and I think on November fourth, it's going to change a lot. Yeah, um, right. So so you know, there's a lot of you know huge change. People have difficulty dealing with change. It, it's so so it's not it's not impossible to see where the expression change management came from. Uh, you got to manage these changes if you're a leader, if you're a an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, even if you're a senior vice president of a company, you've got to manage the change. So, with all that as the backdrop, you know what? Tell me, tell, give us a little introduction to what change management really is. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say thank goodness mm. for change. Mm. Right? Imagine if we didn't have it. Right? What what would that be like? Mm. I know for myself, I've been focused on change for a while. I had a career in finance before um, the career that I'm in right now, so I know a good amount about change. I was actually forced to change. Um, I had a lot of experience uh, trading metals in the Middle East, so I was flying back and forth between New York and Dubai, and uh, I had a great run, awesome run, but I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. Made more money than I knew what to do with, and because I wasn't paying attention to the change that was going on around me, I had experienced a big loss, and I exit that industry. Mm. But the difference is, in that industry, when you experience a loss, you get back up on the horse, right? And you ride again. I made a decision to slap the horse on the rear and say, I'm not riding on this horse again. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna change, mm. right? So that change was kind of um, forced upon me, but I made the best of it. And it was interesting because earlier, you mentioned something about not knowing, mm -hmm. right? Like I didn't know. And when I was studying about coaching and uh, change, one of the things that I learned most about myself is that I was the most resourceful when I didn't know. Mm. So if we think about it for a minute, you know, when we're young kids, we go to school, you gotta know this, you gotta know that, you gotta remember this, memorize that, you gotta know, 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 know. So we're programmed to know. But when we don't know, we have this feeling of something must be wrong. So when I explored that about myself, about not knowing, I was uh, quite surprised to learn that when I don't know, the next step is you enter into the stage of curiosity. So curiosity is what brings about change. Mm. So when we don't know, we then into this, this stage again of not knowing and not knowing is like, hmm, I wonder. And that's the beginning of change. So. 
thank goodness that we have change that's going on. Some of the change that's going on, like uh, you had brought up about, uh, you know, some of the, the local matters with, with uh, the family and the young uh, boy who um, unfortunately had passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's out in my neck of the woods, out in East Merchants, so I'm familiar with it. But, you know, not all change is good, but there's always change. So um, I'm happy to talk tonight about change management because this is what I do for a living. When I work with different leaders, different executives, different entrepreneurs, you know, the emphasis is on, you know, what are we going to change, right? So we immediately jump into curiosity, like, uh, what can we do to be better? And that's typically the emphasis of what we do. So let, let's, uh, I'm going to focus on the boardroom for a minute, because I think that's where the changes get executed, implemented, you know, uh, administered and so on, um, and, and even conceived in the boardroom or, or, or in the conference room with, the, with if it's a much smaller company. But people are being confronted with change, and I'm not sure they know how to go about making the change you know people say uh well you know snap their fingers like well okay well we'll we'll give everybody two days a week from home Mm -hmm. that's that's their answer so that's the whole change management process you know uh very very lacking in forethought strategy structure uh you know so uh give us more of a structure you know of what's happening with change yeah absolutely well when we look at change there's three parts to it the first part is want right what exactly is it that we want or you want then the next part is, is how? Like, how do I have what I want? And the third part is, is just time, Mm -hmm. giving it a chance. So that's the structure. So if you look back on your life, your career, or any situation where there was change, it followed that simple structure. Wanting it, knowing how to do it, and allowing time for it to happen. The content always changes, but the structure's always the same. So even in the boardroom, when we're talking about change, or we're talking about hybrid work, um, I remember, you know, just entering the work world when I was 20 years old, and uh, executives were working from home. It just so happens that we're doing more of it because of technology. So with change, you know, there's things that change. So, um, you know, what I pay attention to when I'm working with a client, whether it's in the boardroom or one-on-one, is not the generalizations, meaning everyone or always, right? Because every organization is different. Their needs are different, their wants are different, their workforce is different, their mission is different. So it, it's, it's how does change affect a specific organization with a specific mission, and then that's how change can, can occur, is to talk about the first part, well, what do we want? So there may be responsibilities or tasks or duties that can be performed anywhere, online, over the phone, over email. So it begins again with what do we want? What are we trying to create that's new and or different? So once we can successfully identify what it is that we want, then we can get into the how and say, okay, well, how is it that we're gonna achieve this, whatever it is that we want? Do we want it to happen in the office? Do we need you know, the, the, the people seeing each other working together? Or can this be more siloed and working from home? Okay, so, the, so the, the, the question that I have is, who is doing this? Is it the, uh, like I said, we, the boardroom is one suggestion, but it's generally you're working with individuals. So the, I assume you're working with small businesses, medium-sized businesses, you know, mostly you know, that, that, that need one-on-one, right? So, so who are these people that, that are making these decisions and what are they faced with? 
Typically, well, I work with medium-sized organizations, uh, 50 to $100 million, mm -hmm. to publicly traded companies. And when we talk about who, a lot of times it's the board, right? The board says, hey, we have a CEO, a CEO, uh, I mean, a COO, CFO, CTO. We have a member of our team, a senior leader, who's really important. They've got the skills, they've got the knowledge, they've got the experience, but right and then that's where it comes in but this individual you know doesn't necessarily listen to others this individual lacks some executive presence this individual um, may not collaborate effectively with their team this individual so it tends to be more behavioral than it is more skills based or knowledge based right, speaking of behavioral i know people and i'm sure you do too that are very resistant to change mm -hmm. they don't they want everything to stay the same Robert, they, 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 you know, they, they, they shun change. So it's like, well, everybody else is doing this, maybe we should do it too. No, no, we're gonna do it my way, we're gonna do it the, you know, the old fashioned way. So um, how, do you, how do you overcome that resistance to change? Not everybody is resistant, hmm. believe it or not. There are times where some are, but not always everybody, a generalization, right? Everybody is, is, is against change. You would be surprised. You know, I work specifically with senior leaders. Senior leaders have the skills, knowledge, and experience, and a lot of the mindset at a higher level in, or in an organization wants to be better. So they have more of a mindset like, I want to be better, I'm willing to do more, it's just what or how. So, um, you know, when we talk about resistance, I revert back to the structure of change. So if somebody is resistant to change, maybe they're you know, a performer in their organization, they're being asked by the board, the CEO or somebody you know, to change, and if they're resisting the change, very simply a discussion is with this individual, what do they want, mm. right? Because when, when, when it is you can identify what somebody wants, you can then introduce the idea of changing, right? So it's almost like having a carrot if there's no carrot, if you're not wanting something, you're less likely to do something to have that something. Well, I was thinking in terms of need. I was thinking that companies have to change. So let me give you another example from my business. So uh, companies that I'm working with don't want to give people two days away uh, uh, at home. Yeah. They, you know, it's more convenient for them to, first of all, utilize the office space they're paying for, uh, but also uh, have full accountability. You can walk over to a person's desk and they don't wanna do it, but they've had to make the decision that in order to attract the best candidates, they need to offer that. Yeah. And it's and a lot of people are resistant to it. They didn't wanna do it, you yeah. know? So, but now everybody's, it seems like to me, everybody's on board. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in a, in a situation like that, uh, it might be an individual who's resistant to the suggested change of, you know, a department working remote or not working remote. So an individual may be more focused on what they want and or need versus what the organization wants or needs or what other people want or need. So these are some of the things that we discuss is, um, you know, not being focused only on what you want. You know, it's, it's so in the event that this change was to occur, what would be the benefits, right? So sometimes we just immediately get stuck where we're thinking about ourselves. where for us to become unstuck, we think about other things like the, the, the positive things that will come if we decide to you know, have our people work from home, what would be some of the benefits of that? 
And then when we start to think about the benefits and we learn about the benefits, we tend to be more open to that change because we could see the positive change. Mm. I think, I think uh, wor- the working from home thing is a very tough one for, for companies out there. Uh, I, I've seen you know, some backlash you know, when, when companies don't want to do it or reverse their policy. Uh, I'm only picking on that particular item because it does seem to be very prevalent in the business world today. Right now, companies are struggling to find the right candidates. Now that we have a sort of a, a bad inflation situation going on leading to recessionary economics, let's not call it a recession, but recessionary economics, I think people maybe don't have to get the best candidate anymore. Maybe they're not, maybe staffing is not their, their issue right now. Yeah. You know, maybe their issue is, is turning a profit, you know, and, and, and getting back to basics like making money, you know. Yeah. But, um, but I, I do see this as a fairly big issue that has impacted a lot of people. Yeah, agreed. You know, for what I do, we look at the environment, right, that this change is happening in. And uh, sometimes the best place to go is to the beginning, right? So in the environment that we've experienced over the last two, five, eight, ten years is an environment where interest rates were quite low and there was a lot of money flowing around. So when there's a lot of money flowing around, things are a little bit different than when money is very tight. And when money is tight, I think we see a different environment where you see less of that from the uh, from the workforce saying, I demand this, I want that, where things just shift, where it's more like, I'm happy I have a job, I'm more open to doing what my employer suggests, versus an environment, again, where there's just tons of money, everybody's expanding, things are new, everything is great, stock market's up, real estate, everything is just good and easy. But that doesn't last forever. So I think we're starting to see that shift right now where things are not so easy and we're starting to sense it in the labor market. We're starting to sense it you know, in, in, men, in the stock market, in the real estate market. Mm. We're sensing change is coming. Mm. And that easy money period looks like it's over. Mm. So we should all be preparing for times to change. Yeah, and, and uh, there, there's some, something going else going on. Some of the factors that are going, the economic indicators, the conditions that are causing our, our, our recessionary economics, uh, people have never dealt with before. There's yeah. never been a recession caused by a, a, a disease. Yeah. So, so this is something that people are dealing with for the first time. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, the Fed is quick to say, okay, look, we'll raise the interest rates and we'll raise them again and we'll keep raising them until you can't afford to buy anything. Uh, and then you'll, consumers uh, will, will have all the pick, everything, all the stocks, all the, all the shelves will be full again and uh, you'll be able to get what you want, you know, if you're willing to pay the price, whatever. Um, I just don't think, sometimes I wonder if the Fed knows what it's doing. And, 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 and I'm wondering if we are taking the right approach to this unique you know, situation that has caused us to fall into a recession, a war. You know, I mean, let's let's face it. There's a war going on in the world, and yeah. um, many some people say there's eighty thousand dead Russian troops, and God knows how many uh, Ukrainian Russian troops. I mean, so so all of this happening at the same time. I think it's causing conditions that no one's ever seen before, and and therefore the change I think is even more wicked. Yeah. Again, it's that not knowing. I agree. This is new for all of us. Nobody's ever been here before with a, with a pandemic like we've seen with COVID, where it's still not over. Mm. Um, there is, and when you bring up the Fed, I struggle with this myself. I have a hard time thinking about a time when the Fed got something right. 
So, you know, here we are with a Fed who doesn't have the strongest history of being right, you know, making decisions again, predicting the future when they don't have the best track record of predicting the future. Mm. So that doesn't help much either, because in times of change, we look for leadership. And the Fed is in a position to provide that kind of leadership. So they're just not following through with that kind of uh, accountability, visibility, and uh, you know, showing that they that they can get things right. Mm. So that's a little bit different. That's a little bit difficult. But what I also see is that, you know, we're chasing the symptoms, not the cause. Right. Okay. We got we got to take a short break. We have a news break coming up, folks. You're listening to Radio Jobland with Scott Possessor and Robert Paulson tonight, talking about the change management. Awful lot of change in the world, folks. Stay tuned. Um, if you have an idea for Radio Jobline and would like to be on the show, you can give me a, an email at Scott P. 118 at gmail.com. You must connect with me on LinkedIn so that you can see all the posts for Radio Jobline. Uh, and all you need to do is connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, we have a news break coming up. Much more about change management with Robert Paulson when we come back. Stay with us. And now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor right here on LI News Radio. Welcome everybody. You're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. Today, today I have Robert Paulson in the studio with me, an international executive coach and entrepreneur, the president of Paulson Strategy Group, an executive and leadership coaching company, a behavioral expert, he coaches senior leaders, uh, he's very strong in leadership behavior and performance. Robert is the how and change. Um, he works with a, a, some customers all over the all over the country. I'm, I'm imagining, uh, but certainly in this region, um, and provides a lot of services, which we'll talk about at the end for people that are interested in getting some uh, pointers from Robert. But let's talk about organizations. They're they're struggling. They're they're struggling with a lot of things. Uh, the most obvious one we just talked about is this transition uh, in in the economy. The other change we talked about is the hybrid work environment or the remote work environment. There's a lot of change going on there. Uh, I keep bringing that one up, Robert, because it's so um, of value to potential candidates. Yeah. But candidates are going wild for, I mean, I have a, a woman willing to change jobs, commute, not 30 minutes, 60 minutes. She's mm -hmm. only commuting 30 minutes now because she's only gonna be working three days a week at the office. So she's gonna have a longer commute. She's not gonna make any more money, but she's gonna have two days a week from home. She's got a young child that's got um, daycare. Mm -hmm. So she'll be able to spend that time, you know, the baby can stay home, whatever. Uh, so it's very valuable to, to certain people. Other people just like being home and, and working from home. Uh, and then uh, people like me, I don't get any more done at home. I get just as much done, if not more done, at the office. So I work four days a week at the office one day a week from home just to kind of try to get the benefit you know of the uh, great resignation that's right and and uh so so let's talk about how how companies are struggling and how they can you know change you're right it's a uh, big topic and i don't think the topic will ever go away there'll always be something going on some sort of current event um it, it goes back to the structure when i work with organizations when i work with senior leaders the most important part, the most important piece to change is really pressing pause 
and really going deep and asking yourself, what do I want? It's such a simple question, but without it, you can't go anywhere. Mm. So a lot of times when I'll talk to a senior leader and we'll, we'll engage, we'll get to know each other. And we, when we start getting down to work, I'll ask them, what do you want? And sometimes they pause and they look at me like, how dare you ask me that, right? Mm. Like, what do you mean, what do I want? It's that simple, mm. what do you want? So I can say that when I look back and I've worked with different clients and we've talked about what it is they want, for some reason the mind shifts to, can I do it, how do I do it, where we don't necessarily spend enough time getting really clear on where we're going. It's kind of like, um, you know, a, a, a transit, transatlantic voyage, right, on a ship. You're gonna spend most of your time navigating, figuring out where you're going, right? Where exactly am I going? What is it that I want? And then once you get clear and that's set, the next part is less difficult. But I have to say, the most difficult part, and it's only because we don't spend enough time on it, is getting clear on what you want. And I would imagine, Robert, in a larger company, with a board or mm-hmm. lots of lots of senior level executives, mm-hmm. um, you know you have people that are considered stakeholders, mm-hmm. and you need to get the buy-in of all your stakeholders. You, you you don't do this in a vacuum, right? That's right. Right. So there is you know there isn't one person that makes a decision for a company with a thousand people. You know they, they, there's a board. They, there's there's a, 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 an, a an executive leadership team of some some elite team. You know, that, that's responsible for all this. And they're the people that sit around and make these decisions. So I, I would imagine that getting the buy-in of all the stakeholders is even more challenging than if you're just working with one individual. Yes, it can be. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Stakeholders are critically important, specifically with what I do. Because when, when I'm asked to come in and work with a leader, I don't just work with that leader. I work with their stakeholders, right? So when we talk about change, there's really two parts to the change. There's doing something new and or different, and then there's others perceiving you doing something new and or different. Mm -hmm. So there's doing it, and then there's perception of others. So if I'm an executive at an organization, and I make an effort to do something new and or different, but nobody else notices it, you could really say, did I change, Mm. right? So you're right, the stakeholders, having them involved is critically important. For them to be involved in, for instance, when I'm working with an individual, I'll ask them what they want. And then I'll spend time interviewing the stakeholders. And I'll ask them what they want to see in the individual who's going to change. Because I could ask you right now, I could say, hey, Scott, in your life, in your career, what is something that you could be doing new or different? Right? And you may have an idea in your mind, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't really matter what it is but I'm pretty certain you could give me an answer and say, Robert, you know, I could do this, you know, and that would help me to do something new or different. But if I were to ask your stakeholders, right, the people who you're surrounded, and I said to them, what do you think Scott could do to be better as a leader, as a person, as a human? It could be a big list. It could be a big list. (laughs) I'll bet you that it's likely that their list is different than your list, Mm. right? So then one could say, well, what's more important to work on, right? So as a leader, right, you could say, well, I really should be doing this, but everybody else around is saying, no, 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 no. 
I feel that you don't listen to us, that everything is your idea and everybody else's idea doesn't matter. So if this leader is going to go through a process of changing, it would be it would be critically important for that leader to listen to others, right? Even if they're going to make the decision at the end of the day, stakeholders are saying, I feel like I'm not listened to. So I think part of the value you bring, Robert, is 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 even if you did nothing more than got everybody to sit down in a conference room, all the stakeholders, all the top level executives that are involved in the change, um, and got them to talk to each other and hash it out and got them to actually commit to what they want. Because I could see I could see you doing this and not everybody wants the same thing. That's right. Then what? Well, then this is great because there is a process to the process of change. One is picking something to change, right? So it could be delegating more effectively. It could be holding others more accountable. It could be having more executive presence. Whatever it is, once you commit to doing it, we then have to move to the next stage and say, how do we measure, Mm. right? So if I'm gonna make an effort, a conscious effort to do something new and or different, how do I know that I'm accomplishing my goal? So you need metrics. And that's where stakeholders come in. Right. Right. So when I work with an individual, halfway through the engagement, I'm going to reach out to the stakeholders. I'm going to ask them to participate in an anonymous survey. And I'm going to ask them what they've noticed about the leader and the change that they committed to. So we'll have a report, an anonymous report that's created. I'll share it with my client. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask them, how do you think you've done? Right. And a lot of times they say I've done well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll say, OK, well, here's what everybody else has to say. Mm. And that's an interesting moment. Could be painful, too. Could be painful. Yeah. Uh, although a successful company, if a company is really successful, then very likely, you know, he's, he's doing mostly the right things. Right. Whoever the leader is. Skills, knowledge, experience. Right on. Right. And how do they behave? How are they performing at those skills? You know, I'd like to do a quick sidebar. We, uh, you mentioned delegating mm-hmm. as one of the things you're strong in, and I'd like to talk about that because I have a weakness with delegating. I am not good at delegating. I tend to do everything myself. There's no reason that I should be doing everything myself, uh, but I feel like I've been doing it all these thousands of years, mm-hmm. and there aren't too many people that can do it that much better than me, so I might as well make the decision. Um, I bring people in, stakeholders, when you know, to get ideas, thoughts, and so on. Um, but you know, I'm not a great delegator. I I, I will basically say I'm not going to give that to John. I'm not going to give that to Ray. You know, I'm I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, and and but by the time I figure out who to give it to, I've done it already. You know, because I'm I'm fast. So so delegating is a delicate uh, science. You know, uh, that I am not good at. Well, the first question is: Is how do you know you're not good at it? Because I do everything myself. Okay. Okay. So when you're so walk me through a situation where you would be delegating. All right. So let's say I get uh, a a job to work on, mm-hmm. and the job is for a a cell and gene therapy uh, scientist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have a degree in science. I I've been working in the staffing business for more than thirty five years. Mm-hmm. I I know my client backwards and forwards. Why should I bring somebody in to work on that search that doesn't know as much about this, you know, the whole layout, all the players, all the stakeholders, all everything that's involved as I do? Right. It's interesting. So you have an opportunity. 
cell gene therapy, why would you give that responsibility to somebody else? Right. Because they don't know enough. Mm -hmm. So this individual doesn't know enough as you do, right? Is that always the case? No, but it is a lot of the time. Okay. So then the question is, is by you not giving it to somebody else, right? How does that help you? Well, I'm not able to. I'm not able to work on everything. So when when the economy's strong, I can have as many as seventy jobs that I'm supposed to be working on, which is of course absolutely impossible. Nobody can fill seventy jobs simultaneously. Just it's just not possible. So right. so I have to make decisions. I have to say, okay, well, we're not going to work on that one. We're not going to work on this one. Yes. Let's focus on this one. But somebody has to make that call. That's right. And you know, so I'm the one making the call. That's so, right. But I can't delegate that decision to someone else. So it's interesting. So in that situation, right, we would hit pause. And I would ask you, well, what kind of an organization do you want to grow? Because maybe if you could manage 60 or 70 jobs or projects yourself and you don't want to grow, then that works just fine. Why do you need to delegate? Mm -hmm. But if you have an interest or capacity to do even more, well, it's likely you're realizing that you can only do 60 or 70. So the gap there is, is including others in that journey. Mm. So it sounds like the people who you're working with in that example, they don't know enough. So in that instance, right, we would work on how would they know enough? So what is it you could do to help them so they know enough so that you would want to delegate to them? It's a good question and I've never really found an answer because it's a combination of my decades of experience and my science degree. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to be a scientist at heart to place a cell and gene therapy scientist because I'm sort of a scientist in my, at least in my, in the back of my mind. Uh, I, I took calculus and chemistry and biochemistry and biology and zoology and I, I know enough, you know, to talk about cells and gene therapy. I mean, it makes sense to me. Gene therapy is a hot thing right now yeah. in biotechnology. So uh, I, I feel that, that I'm, I'm just doing too much. I should delegate more, but I, I'd have to train the other people and spend a lot more time training them you know, for hours a week, you know, to get them up to snuff, and then how much business have I lost with all that time I'm, I'm training? That's right, that's why we would do a cost-benefit analysis. What would be the cost? What would be the benefit? Mm. And you really think about it. So the cost to you training somebody is this, this, and this, time, money, maybe a few other things. But what would be the benefits of you spending the time now, taking a step back financially, so that you could train the right person, so that they would know enough, so that you could delegate to them, mm. right? And then you start to list all of those benefits. And then not me, but you. You would look at the cost benefit and you would say, you know what, it's worth it for me to do this or it's not worth me to do it. Mm. So really what we're doing is we're just pressing pause and we're having a look at it. And what's clear is you have a belief that others can't do it as well as you can do it, mm -hmm. right? So we would be looking at that belief and challenge that belief. I'm gonna guess that there was a time in your career that you didn't know everything, mm -hmm. that you didn't know as much oh, as you know. Oh, it was a long now. time in my career. Oh, yeah. yeah, a long time ago. Right. So I'm gonna take another guess and say that there were people in your life who spent the time, who took away making more money so that they could give you the opportunity to learn so you could grow. And if they didn't stop and do that for you, 
would you be doing what you're doing now is the question, mm. right? That's a very good question. And looking back on it, I mean, I have, I think we've done, a, as the company, we've done a good job. We've grown from five recruiters to 17. Mm-hmm. That's a big jump in, in revenue, and it's a big jump in, in staff. So we, it's not like we're not bringing in new people, and, but nobody seems attracted to the science area. See, see that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, a lot of people are great in construction. Mm-hmm. They're, they're great in hospitality. Uh, general managers, things like that. They're great in uh, finance. They're, you're fabulous in, in legal. Collections, big right. area for us. So I, I'm, I, those areas don't really turn me on. Right. What turns me on is science. So yeah. I'm, I'm in the right area, you know, and, and, I, and I enjoy when I make a placement, you know, the scientific aspect. I'm speaking to a scientist on the phone, a PhD scientist. Yeah. I mean, those are my, those are my candidates, right. you know? So, so I think that is the other problem is, is that I'm not finding people that are really attracted to it. Are you spending the time to find these candidates? Or are you spending enough time to look for them? Mm, we're generally hired, when you're a recruiter, you generally hire the best recruiter you can find. You don't really concern yourself too much with, with area they're in. You just look for the talent, the okay. skill set. Yeah, right. That makes sense. And people are anti-science. I mean, look at, look at our own country. We, we have, if you go into Stony Brook University Computer Science Lab, you're gonna see all foreigners. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but a, a lot of American people don't want to get into science, STEM, science, yeah. technology, you know, they, they just don't, aren't attracted to it. Well, you are. Yeah. I would bet there are more yous out there who enjoy science, who enjoy challenge and opportunity. So I think my, the answer I'm, I'm getting is that I've got to go find people who have that interest. If that's important to you, yes. Yeah, well, they're not going to be good at it if they don't have the interest. See, I would like to explore that a little bit further because mm. we're assuming that all people don't know enough. Mm. When in reality, I'm going to take uh, um, you know, I've been known to gamble. I would bet that there are people out there mm. who do know enough who could help facilitate that kind of a transaction. Yeah, I mean, I always look for biology degrees. You know, yeah. that's a good thing to recruit for. Right. You know, but uh, listen, let's take a minute yeah. and let's tell people all about uh, your company, what you do, and what services you offer. Yeah, good. Um, my company is obviously about change. I work with entrepreneurs. I work with uh, leadership, and we focus on creating that kind of change. So, um, an organization will say, "Hey, Rob, you know we've got a COO. We've got you know uh, maybe even an all-star business development officer who is just you know really good. Who who's really helped us grow our organization." They're really, really important to us. And um, you know, they just need to change. There's something not right, right? Maybe people are leaving, which is critically important. Mm-hmm. The cost to, you probably know a lot more about this than I ever will, you know, the cost to replace you know, a significant contributor. That cost could be very high, especially when you're dealing with a senior leader. You're dealing in the multiple of hundreds of thousands of dollars in salary. And what's the cost of losing, you know, finding, identifying, training? So there's a big cost there. So when an individual is important enough, the organization says, look, you know, we need some help here, right? We need somebody who could work with this individual one-on-one because a lot of times companies are really busy. Who has the time to say, you know, I'll take this on as my full-time project as well as this. So sometimes it's less difficult to bring somebody in for them to work with an individual to help to create that change. Mm. So that's where I'm the, the how person. Mm. And, and just to be clear, I don't hold myself out to be the expert on every different industry. 
I'm just very comfortable and experienced facilitating the process of change. So what I like to find out is what my client wants. I like to find out what's important about that for my client. I like to find out from stakeholders what they would like to see change. So we're really asking questions, collecting data, and then asking my client after that, what do they wanna to commit to? What do you wanna get better at? Mm. And then we create a plan on how to get better at that. And then what we do is we measure that. We ask other people what they're seeing, what they're noticing about this individual changing. So I'm just a simple guy who facilitates a simple process. It's just not easy. Right. It change, change is definitely hard for many, many people. Uh, what about, uh, do you have a website, phone number, email address, anything where people want to reach out to you? I do. It's uh, robertpaulson.coach. Uh, I remember maybe about three and a half years ago, .coach was available. Spell it, spell it. Yeah, sure. It's uh, Robert Paulson, that's R-O-B-E-R-T, Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-O-N, uh, .coach. So robertpaulson.coach, and you could reach me at robert at robertpaulson.coach. Okay, terrific. Um, we, we, we're running out of time. This was a, a really interesting show because I don't think people manage change very well, Robert, to be honest with you, and that's why you're a busy guy. Yeah, absolutely. I always look at it as an opportunity. Yeah, and so, so and all of us are dealing with a lot of change right now. So it's stressful, and get a professional to help you if you, if you can afford it, and, 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 and if it makes sense for your organization, uh, you, you, you could do a lot worse than Robert Paulson. <laughs> So thank you so much for being here, and uh, we're gonna we, we uh, this is sort of the end of the show, folks. Um, the time went fast. Robert was great. Um, again, if you have an idea, would like to be on Radio Jobland, you could write to me, Scott P. One eighteen at gmail.com. I'm happy to have you on the show. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can see all of the job line postings that we put up after they air here on the studio. And shout out to Biz Shout, uh, a website you should all go to, B-I-Z-Z-Shout.com, somewhere between LinkedIn and Facebook. Very interesting website. Check it out. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Happy hunting. Views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.